Are you ready to jump? Get ready to jump. It's time to confess, my friends. Confessions on a dance floor. One of the mega moments of Madonna's career. Applause, acclaim, and world records. This album earned it all. Having purged her fury about American life, Madonna wanted to project happiness and abandon. And what better way to do that than to portal back in time to the disco era, referencing such greats as ABBA, the Bee Gees, Giorgio Moroder, and Madonna. That's right, she references herself on this album, which fans love. We go crazy for that. It claims to be a disco album, but Confessions is probably equally pop and club-infused. Either way, it's a diamond, a record built like a brilliant DJ set, progressing from lightness to a deep intensity as the night evolves. Confessions even set the template for Dua Lipa's future nostalgia. We have a panel of sinners tonight. David, Megs, Rocco, Simon and Lily. It's time to confess, my friends, and we're going to start with the man who loves Madonna so much that he's paused his end of high school exams to be with us. Welcome, Megs. Hey, and thanks for having me. How is Madonna helping you through your HSC? Um, well, just with the music, you know, I get to actually a couple of nights ago, I turned on some Madonna music and, you know, got down to that. So that was great. And it's a really good release in these stressful times. And tell me this, do they teach the erotica era in modern history these days? Uh, they used to, but it's been taken off the syllabus. Oh, that's outrageous. Yeah, that's yeah. outrageous. Yeah. They're not replacing it with Madame X. It's too soon, isn't it? <laughs> no, they, they think it's not worthy of being in the syllabus, unfortunately. Well, you're from Australia. You're 17 years old. What are you confessing to the group today? Well, I hadn't heard the entire Confessions album and I had to listen to some of the songs last night so I could catch oh, up. Dear. But I have really listened to them thoroughly now and I know what I think about but them. But that so. is a shameful confession. Thank you for being so yeah, open with us. that's all right. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Lily. Do you have something to confess? I do. And unfortunately, I have to announce that I am not naturally blonde. This is from a box. <laughs> really? I'm mm -hmm. shocked. I've never seen you before, but I'm shocked. <laughs> I can promise you this blonde is not natural, and it's something I am very ashamed of. Well, it's good to get it out and tell people, you know? It is. Do you feel better? I know. I do. You know what? They say that opening up to people is the best first step, and I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to have you on board for this confessional, Lily. David, do you have something to confess? Hello. Mine's actually a little generic. I kind of uh, have to confess that when I get out of the shower and blow dry my hair, I sing into the, the hair dryer. So, and, you know, do my little, my little concert thing in the mirror. David, the real confession there is that you blow dry your hair. <laughs> I have longer hair, so. <laughs> Beautiful. Great having you on board. Rocco, Thank you. what's your confession? So my confession is, if it were not for this album, I don't know how I would have survived high school. Mm. Wow. This album got you through high school? Yeah, it really did. I'm from, I'm from Queens, New York originally. And, and so when this album came out, I was 15 years old and I was in Pennsylvania and I was completely miserable. I hated it. I wanted to go back to New York. I didn't relate to anybody around me and I felt very isolated and 
just very different from everybody else. And this album, songs like I Love New York, especially, Like It or Not, Jump, you know, those really got me through that period of my life. It is incredible how many times I hear that a Madonna album, Madonna's work, mm. got somebody through a particular part of yeah, their life. It the is amazing. Power of music, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Good on you, Rocco. Thanks for confessing that. And a newbie, Simon, who's reached out to us via YouTube with a simple but positive message asking if uh, he could join us on one of these podcasts, especially Confessions. By the way, Simon, before you confess to us and introduce mm-hmm. yourself to the mm. world, Thank you to all those people who have been like that Simpsons moment. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? 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 Yes, I'm doing confessions. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, my God. It's been from the beginning. Nobody wanted to hear about Madame X. Nobody wanted to hear about, you know, hard candy. It was, when are you doing confessions? When are you doing confessions? When are you doing confessions? Seriously, I sleep sometimes and wake up, my eyes just come alive in the middle of the night and I just hear the echo of people going, when are you doing confessions? When are you doing confessions? It's a horrible, horrible thing. And Simon, not to start off on a negative note, but you may have been one of those. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Um, So, yeah, so my confession is that I don't love this album. Oh, oh dear. Uh, I don't know. So David, Lily, Rocco, Megs, does Simon stay or does he go? Um, he can stay. I want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> he can stick around. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. <laughs> no comment All from right. me. Kick us off, my friends. What do we make of Confessions? Where does it sit in Madonna's landscape? What type of album is this? How would we describe it generally? I mean, because this is a defining moment in Madonna's career. To me, this was her last real masterpiece of an album i mean this was for sure her last like major blockbuster album commercially speaking but to me the last it it was there's a finality to this era like the end of a particular chapter of her career for me and um it's kind of bittersweet i don't know like as much as i love albums like rebel heart and men and madame x this is one of those albums that in terms of the creative spirit that it has she's never quite been able to top for me oh come on david you've been around since the beginning of time with madonna is it true that this was the last great madonna album she's released a lot of material since then uh no i I think madame x was uh her last great masterpiece i think i had said in our last podcast that um years on people will embrace madame x uh more and um, I, I, I think Rebel Heart was fantastic. The MDNA masterpiece. I don't know if I would call it a masterpiece. I would call it uh, back to her roots, dancing, and what Madonna does best, dance music. And, David, how much do you love this album? Uh, very much. <laughs> this was at the peak of my club years, so it was an exciting time. That suggests there's been a decline in your club years since. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't club like I used to, Tim. I'm a little older now. So. <laughs> Let's not go down the age route. I got the sense that that wasn't an area that you wanted to explore. Lily, tell us about Confessions on a Dance Floor. No, I would say I love this album a lot. I think it's really fun. I love the nonstop mix situation. I think some of the transitions are the best I've heard, period. Mm. 
I've got to say, Simon, uh, this idea of having uh, the the like a DJ set, like I said in the intro, yeah. Stuart Price, he produced this album. I think he might have been the executive producer. Mm-hmm. Certainly, you can hear uh, you can hear Stuart's influence throughout this album. The no gaps thing, no, Janet had done it before. Oh yes. dear! Don't don't shout me down, people listening. But oh. Janet had done it before, Velvet Rope. Okay, yeah. but um, yeah. yeah. What what did you make of it, Simon? What's what's Confessions on a Dance Floor mean to you? I, I I kind of agree that I think it's her last masterpiece in the sense that it's the last time she understood editing. This album is perfectly edited, and I think everything that she'd done up until this point was perfectly crafted, and nothing was left in that shouldn't have been, and um, I think every album that she's released since, there's been a perfect album in there somewhere. But this was the last time she really understood or let somebody else help her with the editing of of where that perfect album was. Like, I think it's perfectly crafted. It's just that I preferred American Life. Um, it's it's I, I kind of feel the same way about this as I did about Ray of Light, which is that people called it a comeback and I didn't think she had anything to come back from. Well, I think something that made this album really strong was how strong the era was as a whole. Like her look, the tour, the album itself, everything. Stunning. Yeah. And everything is so recognizable. Mm. To me, it it is a fantastic progression. It is like a DJ set. Anyone who knows Mm. what a DJ set's all about, this is your classic DJ set. It takes you on a journey. It starts off with that light and pop and you're going to have a fantastic time. Then it gets really very quite intense. The only thing I get upset about Baron Confessions is the fact that it didn't round back to light towards the end. I would have liked to have seen a continuation. The last couple of tracks, maybe brand new tracks we've never heard before, who knows, but some some lightness towards the end. Because usually by the end of the morning when you're in a club, you've returned to the light and the frivolous again. The sun is back. Yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's why it's called Confessions on a Dance Floor because, you know, she's dancing, she's having fun uh, in the beginning of the album, but then eventually she starts being more personal with the lyrics and um, sort of merging into that um, sort of arena. And and I do think that, that this was a comeback album as well because American Life did receive some very critical and angry reception, like sort of as a diatribe of American culture um, is how it was seen by a lot of people. And so I think that this was a great one, not as an apology album, but as a return to um, what people really, really like about Madonna. Um, although, you know, she, she gets political sometimes and, um, well, a lot, and that's a good thing. But American Life didn't sell well. So Simon's point about no, this not, not being well. a combat album, I suppose it depends on your perspective. If you thought that American Life didn't live up to expectations or not. And, mm. but you know, if you're going to look commercially and she is a commercial artist, then you have to acknowledge that American Life was quite low in her discog- yeah. discography in terms of sale. It's still got to number one in most countries though. Yeah, but all yeah. Madonna albums will get to number one based on the fan base. It, yeah. Overall sales are what you've got to look at. And overall sales for American Life were uh, quite tragic for that period of her mm. career. They'd probably be okay now. Yeah. But but 17 years later, it is very well respected, that album. And <sighs> Is it though, David? People often yes. throw yes. this up. But it, it, people, people have learnt to love it in hindsight and all this sort of stuff. Have people what people throw that around? Madonna fans throw that around very easily. What what's the evidence that American Life is all of a sudden a revered piece of work? I just think that um, it was a whole new Madonna. Uh, Madonna's core is pop. 
it was the first time she really, I mean, she dabbled in folk with music when American Life came out. She, I mean, her and Mirwais and Stuart Price, just, I think that I, I consider a masterpiece. I don't consider Confessions a masterpiece just because it's more of a true pop album and it doesn't have the depth that American Life had. That's my opinion. Oh, see, now you've outraged me now because <laughs> there's poor old no, Kylie and Madonna, they get this all the time, that that, that their work is uh, frivolous and disposable and frothy and poppy. Well, actually, there is a depth to making a huge chunk of the population happy. There yeah, is a depth is and I a substance yeah. to giving joy to people's lives. There is something incredibly ethereal about making people want to get up off their chair and get onto a dance floor and, and feel joyous and yeah. euphoric. There is depth in yeah. Confessions on a Dance Floor. There is depth mm. in Light Years. There is depth in... Oh, don't don't say there's depth in Light Years. <laughs> you take that back, <laughs> oh Simon. Oh, my God. Okay, Light Years is my favourite Kylie album. album. There's there's a little bit of depth in there, a little bit, uh. but it's more campy than anything. You can't yes. put campy and depth together. <laughs> Don't say anything. That's <laughs> not me. Maybe no, I I have nice things to say. It's just I happen to agree that I think American Life is a better album than Confessions is. Is that saying Confessions is bad? No, mm. but I definitely think American Life is a better piece of work. I think American Life would have been a much better album if Stuart Price had produced it. I think that Probably. the versions of I'm So Stupid and Nobody Knows Me and things like that that he did for Reinvention would have elevated the album had they been on the album. Um, I do think, especially from hearing the stories about writing American Life, Mirways and him being more political of a person helped push mm. the album and where it was going. But anyway, and, we're talking about confessions. Yeah. <laughs> However, interesting, Lily, to note that Miraway and Madonna started the project of Confessions together and Madonna did scrap that uh, quite openly. Uh, talks about the fact that she scrapped the direction they were heading in because just by being two intellectuals in the same room together during the writing process, it wasn't on task. They kept having uh, new tracks infused with a bit of political and a bit of anger and a bit of resentment and it was not where she wanted to head. Lily, I'm curious, you've got some statistics for us, don't you? How did Confessions do around the world? I'm oh, seeing they're these. Statistics. They're great statistics, but it bothers me because I keep seeing she was in like the, the biggest album of the decade and yeah. Guinness All Book of Records. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Lily, give us the lowdown. Well, I mean, if you look at it, the lowest charting position it had was at number five in Japan, which is insane oh. to think that being the lowest. It was number one in most countries. Oh, well, Hung Up, I mean, the first, the lead-off single was huge, huge. I think it's one of her best-selling singles of all time. And it got <clears> many <throat> views on YouTube. It got 266 million views on YouTube, which is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than Vogue. Let's talk about the opening single, Hung Up. I remember hearing this on the radio um, when it first came out, and I was like, wow. I, I didn't realise that she was about to sample ABBA. I didn't realise yeah. all the... the the cleverness of this track and so I got one of those rare moments in life where I had none of the prep none of the media beforehand and just was waiting for somebody actually picking them up from a library actually and I was listening to the radio and they said here's Madonna's new track here it comes hung up yeah I oh, know that was a bit of an insight into my life wasn't it Dave? <laughs> picking someone up from a library anyway hung up comes on, on the radio and it's like wow I'm sure that that's that ABBA track gimme 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 yeah 
hung up. What are we? What are we making of this as a lead single? I don't think we can get much better. Well, the first time that I heard this was her website at the time. Um, the opening of her website, there was this little intro screen that played like a few seconds of the chorus. Then there was like a radio edit version that was going around on the internet. And then when I heard the final song, the full like album version, I was completely blown away. Um, The ABBA sample works so well. And I'm so happy that she fought for that because she initially said that she didn't want to sample anything because it was too expensive. But, and she said she had to put on kind of a song and dance for um, the two guys in ABBA. I think she wrote him a letter, but it totally paid off. And my favorite part of that song is the beginning, the way that it starts, the intro and the bridge, the way that it completely like comes to a complete silence. And then it starts to build up again the same way it did in the beginning. It's so, it, it, it really makes the impact that much stronger, I think. I agree that um, the ABBA sample makes this song, because when she performed it for the Sticky and Sweet tour, it's not as good. That ABBA sample really yeah. helps make this song incredible. I do think it was a great choice for the lead single, because it's probably the most exciting song, or one of the most exciting songs on the album. I don't think it's the best, though, but I do think it was a great choice for the lead single. I kind of disagree completely. Um, I, <laughs> I, I think that it's really shoddily written. Um, I think it's produced really nicely, but I think that the remixes are... So the, the Stuart Price extended remix is incredible. And I think if that had been the album version, I think I'd have had a much better time with the whole thing. Um, I think the ABBA sample actually kind of detracts from the the brilliant production on the rest of the song because I think it becomes a focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I don't like it that much. <laughs> what, what did you make of the video, Simon? I, I, I think the video is great. But so interestingly, part of the video, because obviously it's all filmed in London, part of it I I'm convinced is filmed in uh, a, a club in South London that used to be like a gay bear club called XXL, um, which isn't there anymore. But I, it was it. So it's in a series of arches in London Bridge. And I'm convinced, having been in there a lot, that part of the video is filmed in that venue or one of the arches in that in that sequence. But um, yeah, no, I think the video is great. And I think the video was what actually kind of made me enjoy the song. This was a very, very much parodied video, which is always the ultimate compliment as well. When Madonna came out at the age that she was in her 40s, I believe, wearing that, having the audacity to wear that. Now, of course, you know, we've got the benefit of everything that's come afterwards that she's she's never going to stop doing this. But at the time, people were quite shocked that she had the nerve to to wear something like that and she looked sensational yeah and the dancing was great i loved the video i I loved the how she started off so simply like just her and the mirror you know that that's all that was that was necessary and a boom box yes and a boom it was just so cool you don't know what a boom box is no i do i do know what (laughs) boom boxes are and also like it's just a love letter to the disco era a lot of people say and it's just amazingly done and the way they fused Abba's sample, I think, was, yeah, just amazing. Apparently, Benny and Bjorg, or one of them, 
was extremely stubborn about giving that um, sample over, as Rocco has said. Yes, they don't give uh, samples over very often. No, they sure don't. Only so one other time. Really well. Only only one other time, and it was to the Fugees. On the lyrics, though, this is where she references herself because one of my favourite tracks, which will be quite rare for Madonna fans, is is the collaboration she did on Like a Prayer with Prince. Love mm-hmm. that track. It's just so avant-garde. And I think the line is, um, what is the line? Time goes, Time by, goes so by so slowly, slowly for those who yeah. wait, but those who run seem to have all the fun, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. When I heard that, I remember, this is my library, going back to the library story, which was so fascinating the first time around. When I was listening to this in the car, I remember going, hang on a second, and it drove me nuts because she's singing it so differently to the way it's sung on the other one. By the way, those are not her lyrics either, I don't believe. I believe that the lyrics are taken from uh, somewhere else, origin- like some poetry or religious Yeah, she script does that originally. throughout this, as I'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I just want to point out that the video... She was recovering from her, she was still recovering from her horse riding accident while she was filming that. So she was doing all that dancing while she was in pain or on painkillers, one of the two. Wow. Yeah. Track number two off the album is Get Together. Yes, I love this song. This song has always spoken to me quite a bit. Um, I don't know how big a fan favourite it is, but I know that I love this song. It's sort of, I think the lyrics are very inspiring and and interesting and have a lot of depth. It's like she doesn't care if love at first sight is an illusion or not. She'll just uh, engage with the experience of it anyway. And I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. And I just think, yeah, the entire song is so well made and um, beautiful. Speaks to my soul, man. It speaks to your soul, man. And yeah. apparently it was selected as a single, single number three, I believe, because it was the third most downloaded song off the album. That's how they actually yeah, right. selected this as a single. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I remember that um, at the uh, GAY show, around that time when she performed the song, I think she introed it by saying, I wrote this song for you guys or something. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. And yeah. my favorite part of this song, I mean, the whole song is great. I have to admit the bell sound in the beginning was kind of jarring and still kind of is. But once the song starts, it's incredible. And the best part for me is at the end of the bridge when it's just like this big explosion of sound. And yeah. it, 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 that's what leads to the end of the song and it fades out. To me, that's the best. It's like so euphoric and so, you know, empowering. Kind of what um, Tim said earlier about how this album has some ethereal moments. I think this song is definitely one of the most ethereal with mm. the ending of the song with like that piano playing, echoing. And I love the song. I think it's better than Hung Up. Yeah, I one agree. One of the best, in my opinion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, I'd say, probably my second favourite song on the album. Um, at the time, weirdly, at the time, I didn't really like it that much. And then I was at the GAY show, and I think I kind of started to like it a bit more then. But all of my friends were obsessed with it, and I was like, mm, it's all right. Tell us about this GAY show that you're referring to, because that was part of the promotion for this album, correct? Yeah, so she did the show at Coco, um, which used to be Camden Palace, which was like the first place in London she ever performed. And then uh, they they didn't even announce it. They kind of announced that this Madonna thing was happening and that word just got out that she was performing. So I queued from like four in the morning, I think, to buy tickets. Um, uh, 
Because the thing that bugs me is how short the show is. And I cannot imagine standing outside or whatever for six hours. For well, and then so, like and, then a, we, and then we queued. So that was like five in the morning. And obviously the show was like, like I think started at like midnight or something. So then we queued for, I think, two hours to get into the venue. And then we waited for another like hour or two hours to for her to come on. Was it worth it? Ugh. Yeah, it was incredible. It was amazing. Um, and I really wasn't like that keen on this era at that point. So it really helped me, I think, kind of click into what she was doing. And it was the first place that I, I heard it. the Let It Will Be remix. So like, yeah, I was pleased about that. I think those um, hung up performances that she did to promote that single were amazing. I, I, yeah. I can't, mm. the choreography, the backup dances, I think that was some of the best backup dances she's ever had in her career. Mm. I still, re- mm-hmm. like, usually I don't remember backup dances. That's no, how I know these ones. Remember I remember them. nearly all of their faces and yeah. just how freaking coordinated they were. And then, of course, we will get into, I promise people listening, we will talk about the Confessions tour because mm. that, was just mind-blowing yes, as yes. well. But you were going to say? I was going to say, does anybody... I, I'm reading here that there's references to Holiday and Secret, her previous songs I've heard in this, this song. Is there? But is there? Does anybody know where in the song? I didn't think so. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean the, the, the... I don't think there are lyrically are there, but the melody, melody-wise... The melody. The melody is right. very similar to Holiday. So, uh, single number two is Sorry and track three off the album is Sorry. Who wants to talk about Sorry? Uh, this is, um, I don't particularly like the video clip. I find it annoying. And, yeah, and a bit it doesn't do the song boring. justice. Um, I like the track though. It's a great track. Mm. This was the one that, so I remember the first time I heard any of the album, I think it had leaked and I'd burnt the bits that had leaked onto a CD, obviously, as you did then. And I was going to a club in London and I was on the tube with my mate and we were listening to the, we had like a headphone in each and we were listening to the tracks that had leaked. And um, this was the first one that I heard from in, in sort of the, the album where I was like, this is a banger. Like this was to me, like the, the first thing that I heard, I was like, yes, I'm, I'm on board. I love this song. I'm annoyed at you, Simon, though. I'm annoyed that your story about listening with one earphone in with a friend on the tube is better than my library story. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Terrible. But, yeah, I I, I love this. I also love the remixes. I think the Pet Shop Boys remix is fantastic. Um, But this, to me, almost feels like I feel like there's a holy trinity between Impressive Instant, uh, Nobody Knows Me, and this. Like, I feel there's kind of like a synergy between those three songs. You talk about the Holy Trinity. I also am always quite fascinated by Madonna's fascination with apologies and sorry. It referen- mm. She references these sorts of themes many, many times throughout her career. Unapologetic bitch, I'm not sorry in human <laughs> nature. She actually writes a song called Sorry. I think, yeah. I think you know, I, I'm getting way too deep, but given her childhood and the big family and the experiences of her life early on, I think apologies and lack of them possibly in Madonna's life yeah, is actually, attitude. I think mm. saying sorry is difficult for Madonna. And so I think that's yes. why it keeps coming up as a theme for her. Yeah. So something I want to say about this song is I think the production, if you think about it, is super similar to Hung Up with the way it plays with like building up and stuff. Um, but I do think this song is the best song on the album. Is it my favorite? No, but I think this song is the best song on the album. Technically, yeah. And yeah, it's, my, love- it's my least favorite on the album. <laughs> really? I know that's very, I, 
I know that's very controversial, but yes, oh it is goodness. my least favorite. That is very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very critical of M, and this song, um, I hated the video. I think it's her worst video she's ever made. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever seen Batuka? <laughs> I like the Batuka video. video. What do you what do you say about get together? There's not much to say, but no, I just I, I take it as it is. It's you know, it's just okay for See, me. <laughs> for me, I'm thinking like sorry and hung up were filmed like neck and neck, so it's like to me they're like the it's, same. It's video. the yeah, it's the sequel. It's the sequel. Yeah. So it, if everyone's like, filmed. oh, hung up is the best video, and then sorry is a terrible video, it's, they're literally the same video. Yeah. I didn't say it was. Video. I didn't say it was the best video. <laughs> I never said that. Well, th- there's an interesting thing. Some people say that Madonna didn't like this song initially and that she thought it was too melodramatic and so she didn't want to do it. But then. Ah, oh, that's once... my theme. She didn't want to apologize. Yes. yes <laughs> that's exactly right. But then she decided that she was going to reinvigorate it and sort of spice it up and then she released it that way. And th- that's why this song's so good for remixes because she was reinventing this mm. song. Um, from its original form. Um, what I like about this whole album is it feels like you're getting remixes from Woe to Go anyway. They feel like they've been remixed to me. This, yeah. this feels like a remix album. She said, I always pref- end up preferring the remix versions of my songs over the original. So with this album, she yeah. said, I just want to approach it as if we're already like creating a remix. Like let's oh, let's approach it from that mindset. Mm. Wow, okay, so we were on the money and Stuart Price was the right man to do that. By the way, before we move on from Sorry, um, it's more than 10 years and she still hasn't apologised for working with Kanye West. (laughs) Stop it. We're not going through that again, Tim. We are not going through that again. Track four is Future Lovers. Okay, now this is, like, for me, I've, all right, Madonna, as you know, should never go in an editing suite, frankly, on her own at least. She should be there with someone expert, right? So when they made the Confessions DVD, because we didn't get to see it here in Australia, so we've only seen it on that, amazing. That concert is like quite chilling to watch in in the sense of goosebumps Mm. so so many times. But that opening is freaking, for me, one of the best, uh, possibly the best opening, and that's saying something compared to Blonde Ambition. But then I've recently gone on YouTube and seen people in the audience filming the opening of the Confessions Tour. And if you thought it was good on the actual product that they released, my God, it's actually even more exhilarating to watch it from the seat of something because she comes out of that disco ball in the middle of the freaking arena Mm. and the build-up to it and not quite knowing that that was where she was going to emerge from. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter which video I click on. It's just like I wish I'd been there because that Mm. was a freaking phenomenal opening to a tour and therefore future lovers is that pulsating beat that actually delivers that exhilaration at the beginning of this concert Mm. what are we all making of future lovers i love the sample that she included um she samples donna summer's i feel love and um i love the fact that she goes a step further in the show in the tour and actually sings a little bit of i feel love during the performance to me that was a perfect like tip of the hat um, if you will. You yeah. know why she did that, though, don't you? Why because is that? Ki- because Kylie did it first on the Fever Tour. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not that familiar with Kylie, so thank you for pointing that out. That's all right. Madonna often references Kylie. She looks to Kylie for a lot of her inspiration. Oh, no, don't do that. 
He's okay. He's not wrong though. I mean, who was the first one who did a disco throwback album? Yeah. Okay, that's right. and, and can I Wait a minute. Madonna's, Madonna's first album was disco. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, look, this song, uh, in, this will annoy people as well, but this song really reminds me of Kylie in so many ways. It reminds me of Light Years a lot. Yes. It really, really reminds me of Light Years. Yes. Plus, it reminds me of uh, another Kylie song, which, f- to be fair, came out after this, but The One from X. It definitely reminds me of that as There's well. There's a bit of that. Yeah, exactly that bit. I hear that. I yeah, hear that. and so this song was very Kylie to me, but it's, it, it, yeah, it was definitely perfect it, for it's, an opening. It's your classic situation. It's, it's, it's the dark version of a Kylie song. Yes, it's the, the more dark version yeah, of a Kylie song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So something I want to point out, though, because I'm noticing this with everyone, is can anyone say anything great about the song that doesn't involve the tour? Yeah, yeah I, I think it's a really great track. But, like, the tour is what made it the success it is. I'm pretty sure she didn't perform it. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. Yeah, fair enough. Future Lovers is, is a standout on the album because it doesn't yeah, sound I like any so. other songs. And, it, it again, it's Mere Ways. Mere Ways and Madonna have this incredible connection. It's beautiful. Um, I... <sighs> I love when Madonna speaks on her on her songs. I, it, going back to physical attraction, she knows how to uh, get your attention, and she's she does. She, she sounds so freaking sexy when she speaks like in her songs. Maybe yeah, she does. Yeah, well, that's a uh, yeah, I, yeah. I love I love Bye Bye Baby, but um, physical attraction and this one go hand in hand for me in terms of her best spoken word songs. My favorite line is put away your past love will never last. If you're holding on to a dream that's gone to me, mm-hmm. that's a perfect lyric. So yeah, again, I'm not funny. hating on the song. I think that there are some really good things about it. And talking about uh, fantastic lyrics, how about when Madonna rhymes New York with dork? Oh, now God. that's brilliance. That's genius. That's the moment that, you know, <laughs> Madonna was officially sealed as a genius. In fact, the Guinness book of records sat up, from their leather chair and cigars, and that's when they hopped up and went, I'm going to get on the old blower and find out what record Madonna's achieved this week because they were amazed that I Love New York and Dork were in the same song. It's brilliant. I Love New York, the worst song on the album, one of the worst songs. I hate it when she picks up an electric guitar. I really... I I know you Burning up. We're going to fall out with this, aren't we? <laughs> oh, I love New York. It, it's just a heaving mess of sounds that makes me want to yeah, run from the room. It's one of her worst songs ever. I don't like it at all. It, it, I think it's I, my favorite song I, on the album. I, what? I love it too. I absolutely love it, and I love it. The concert version of this song was freaking incredible. Yeah. Yes, incredible. Wow, the lack of taste here. Ooh. The the album it was, version. It was almost so as good as. Well, wait, I just want to say one thing about uh, I Love New York from um, the live album Reinvention was 150% better. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to tell you a secret, the demo version. Correct, yes. So much better than the album from from the um, Confessions album, but it wouldn't have worked because it had an alternative feel like a vibe. Well, she was writing a rock album and the rock album never. Yeah, right. Right, right. But, you know, it, it's unbelievable. I, I do like the track on the album, but the, the one-off off reinvention is mm. perfect. I love it. Love it. I thought that was supposed to be for the musical she was doing. 
She wrote this for the American Life album, I believe. Right. Well, it would- no, she said she wrote it when she was in New York on the reinvention tour. Right. Yeah. And it was done in a very, again, I love the production. I love that it's got a very alternative yeah. sound. I have to say, as a New Yorker myself, I feel like I like this song in principle. And I do like towards the end of the song, she has like sirens and kind of, you know, like noises to kind of make you feel like you're standing in like a busy street in New York or in Manhattan or something. I like that touch. If she was going to have the real time sound effects of New York, I don't know why there wasn't a mugging in the background or something like that. (laughs) Tim, listen, don't get me started on that. All right. Come on now. Well, I mean, today. (laughs) New York is not that bad. Come live in New York and then get back to me, all right? I love New York with a slight shivering in the background. <laughs> I love I love this song. It's it's like a silly punk thing and like the lyrics aren't supposed to necessarily be like you know, prize winning. I have to agree with Tim and Megs on this one. This song is it's the second worst song on the album in my opinion. Um yeah. it's the lyrics really aren't good and then the only oh. part I like is the get off of my street thing. That's the only thing I like where it kind of like yeah. breaks down. Yeah, Tim, if you can't stand the heat and get off of my street. Okay. <laughs> Fair Touché. enough. Fair yeah. call. This is clearly a divisive song and brings out a lot of emotion, particularly in Rocco. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> Track six on the album is let it will be. The remix is better. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> And then the the concert version is even better because it has both bits. It has bits of both in it. I like the album version. I like the violin intro, and I do yeah. like when it go when the beat drops. That's great. So I do like the album version. But when I heard the um, the paper faces vocal mix, I think is what it's called. It totally yeah. elevated it for me, and the performance is just incredible. I mean, the fact that she can put that much energy into a performance without backup dancers, without anyone. It's just her throwing herself around on stage. It was, it was epic. I loved it. I love the album, but I also love the remixes too. And this was the first album where I was so into the remixes, like in real time. Mm. Normally it was usually with albums from like years past that I, you know, didn't live through or whatever, but this was just so perfect in that way. And the fact that she incorporated so much of it into the tour as well. Mm. I thought it was great. I have the the bonus, like not the Gaio Siri book, but I have the deluxe edition book with like Fighting Spirit. Yeah, me too. Oh, oh, okay. I have yes, I've got the Fighting Spirit of uh, Super Pop, like a uh, bone, like it's. Uh, I, I have um an LP in my closet. Uh-huh. I should take a picture for you guys and, and show it, but um, it's pretty great. I just, it's you, you buy things, you put them away and then you forget, you know, mm. I mean, I've got two sex books that are, you know, not even opened in, in storage. And David, don't you have two versions of a sex book? One, which is pretty pristine and the other one where the pages are slightly stuck together. No, no, stop <gasps> it. What are, you, what are you talking about? Please. Yes. I have a pristine <laughs> one and I have one that was, yeah, I was old enough to buy sex. That's how old I am. Hello. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Track number seven, Forbidden Love. I love the song. The melody is gorgeous. I love the lyrics. To me, this is a perfect song. I have no problems with it. And I love the performance of it in the tour. I love the little like message that she threw in, the po- little political message with 
the two dancers. I think one has the Star of David um, mm. on his chest, and the other one has, um, oh, I can't remember. The um, Islamic Moon? Yeah, right. Yeah, the Islamic Moon. Very craft work. Mm. And I'm sure Tim knows who craft work is. Uh, <laughs> I think they make peanut butter, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> when the track list was first announced and she was going to have a song called Forbidden Love, I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's interesting, because on Bedtime Stories, there's another song called Forbidden Love. And I was wondering how what this someone would sound like and how different they would be and stuff. And actually, in the TRL interview she did, um, which was like the first bit of promo I saw her do for this album, there was a little bit in there where she said, rejection is the greatest aphrodisiac, which is a line that she recites in the original Forbidden Love from Bedtime Stories. And she made some offhanded comment. She said afterwards, she was like, oh, someone once said that in a song. (laughs) So we talk about her referencing herself. She, you know, I think probably referenced herself again. Let's talk about track eight, Jump. This is the one that always reminds me (laughs) of The Devil Wears Prada. Ah, wait, just by association or because of the actual? Uh, Look, I loved this track from the moment I first heard it on Confessions. It's, for me... It's it's just so cool and so stand out. And the video clip I, I really enjoy as well. It's mm. so in theme with Hung Up and the other videos as well. So, yeah. But then, yeah, then it comes on. It's one of two um, Madonna songs in Devil Wears Prada, actually. Vogue oh, features in... as well. Oh, yeah, but this yeah, is yeah. like, I don't know, it was the whoever did the sound for Devil Wears Prada couldn't have selected the be- a better song for the landscape of uh, New York City, I think it is, um, and they have this on, yeah. and it just segues nicely into the character's story. It's excellent, but this is a this is a fantastic song. It also reminds me of a Miley Cyrus song that came on the Bangers album years later. Oh, and which I'll, one? I'll have to remember it. I'll, I'll look it up while you guys are talking. But yeah, okay. just just the opening beats, like it's just like I, I can't separate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But jump. What are we making of jump? Like I, I the- like I said. Sorry, like I said, this is my favorite song on the album because yeah. I love the message. I think the message doesn't come across as cheesy like it does on other songs, in my opinion. And oh, I love yeah. the production. And I love the ending, especially on the tour version or the extended remix, how it has the vocoder echoed, are you ready? That first time I heard it, goosebumps all over my arms. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, this is a very special track for me because... When um, I saw this in concert, uh, <laughs> this concert was insane. I didn't get the wink like in Sticking Sweet, uh, <laughs> but uh, you guys remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I remember. <laughs> um, but every single hair on my body stood up when she performed this song. Uh, the gentlemen were doing parkour, which I think is so freaking cool. Uh, these guys were so built yes. and masculine and, and yeah, running that. all over the stage like like insanity. And her vocals were on point. And it just, again, I, that's why I love Madonna, because she just owned the stage. It was such a fantastic track. The best song by or a performance on the tour by far. I mean, it was just I'm blown away. Blown away. I remember watching this as a little boy, the performance, with all the parkour going on. You are on. a little boy. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> Yeah, and I and I I loved that too. Like oh. I loved the stage, the staging, and how they were jumping about and doing cool flips and things. And oh, it reminded you me should of have seen it in person, Meg's. Meg's in person, it was insane. 
insane. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved it. But it reminds me a bit of music when she performs music on stage. Um, she had all the dancers doing cool flips and things like that. It reminds me of that very much too. Mm. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, and, and in the video clip, I really like her hair. By the way, it's a nice short sort of the Japanese. There's a bit of a Japanese vibe happening through yeah, this video clip as well. Definitely. Some Japanese um, manga art reference. It was on my own, Miley Cyrus. If anyone wants to go and compare and uh, wonder if if uh, Tim's hearing things, no, um, I agree with you. I know. And looking at you for no particular reason. Well, There's all this, um, uh, the thumping beat at the beginning. Yeah. 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 Uh, and by the way, I know they're similar because I can listen to On My Own and I can do the jump chorus in yes. time. That's how you test this. it. That's, that's how, how, that's how test. I test it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do exciting things here. We hang out at libraries and we test Miley Cyrus songs against Madonna music. <laughs> I love the lyrics and I love what it's saying. I feel like she is one of those people who, when she does a song like this, like a motivational, inspirational kind of, um, you can achieve your dreams kind of song. You believe her because she actually did that. She actually struggled and she actually lived through that herself. She went to New York on her own and, you know, really fought to find a place of her own, like she says in the song. So you feel like she's someone who you can actually listen to who's saying these things. And I also really, it's not just the message, but it's the way that she conveys them lyrically. And I would be interested to know how much of the lyrics she wrote and how much were written by um, her brother-in-law, Joe Henry. Yeah. Because he's, yeah Cause he's one of the Don't co-writers. Me. And if you listen to Don't Tell Me from the music album, if you listen to his original song, which is called Stop, lyrically, it's pretty much all his lyrics. So I would be more interested, and I'm not doubting Madonna as a lyricist. She's great. But I'm just, I, I'm curious about going more into the specifics, finding out more the details of the creative process behind this particular track. Poor old Joe Henry, he writes these ultra-masculine country sitting on a hay bale songs and then Madonna <laughs> comes along with her crew and she takes them and makes them the most homosexual music that you could possibly imagine. I'm often <laughs> curious to know what on She's a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> OMG. Well, Guilty by Association, uh, which is a masterpiece by Mr. Henry, and she does the guest vocal. You guys all have to revisit that song because uh, it's his song. She just, she just, and another spoken word song that I love of hers. So let's talk about track nine. How high? I'm just wondering why it, it's not a standout for me for that particular reason, because she already talked about this and expressed this idea on American life. I feel like the reason she probably included it on this album is because she wanted people to hear that message. And maybe she felt like since American life commercially didn't do as well, she kind of, she could kind of slip it in there. I love this song. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that she kind of condensed the whole um, message of the entire American life album into one song. It well, into two songs really, but into one song for this. Um, but it's, Bloodshine Avant, who I really, really like. And yeah, I just I just think it's really well produced. I think it's a really great song. I think it's got really great lyrics. It's probably, I think, some of the best lyrics on the entire album. Um, but the lyrics definitely have some sort of amazing meaning. Like, to me, when I was reading them, I got a bit sad. Like, they're a bit nihilistic. She was sort of saying, does this really matter? That Will it matter when I'm gone sort of thing? And mm. I was like, 
you know, that's a bit sad that she's thinking that way. But, you know, I guess she's just being contemplative and, yeah. That's probably why I like it. It's probably because yeah. it's the most miserable song on the album. That's probably why, that's probably why I think it's great. And Simon being British, after all. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think, like, my critique of Forbidden Love kind of holds true to this one as well, where I feel like it's another transition song, where it's not strong enough to hold its own place. See, I think that about the next song. What? Yeah, I think that, to me, that's the transitional song. But we'll get there. Well, let's let's move forward, Simon. Continue with track 10, which is Isaac, where she's offended a whole bunch of rabbis, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, that was silly. Yeah, to me, this is, like, the transitional, like, kind of nice interlude in a concert we are talking about isaac aren't we yeah yeah i i i I totally disagree i think this song's very powerful in what it's trying to do and um it's got all these it's very religious the lyrics themselves and then that's driven home by the fact that whatever the man's saying or whatever um it's referencing this poem by a rabbi um Mm. that another lady artist Ofrahaza also sung um, and so I think it's got a lot of sort of deep connections. But one thing I did read was that she had to be careful about it because 9-11 had happened recently, sort of recently. And so doing Middle Eastern influences may have been a little bit... And it did. It caused a problem. There were a bunch of uh, rabbis um, yeah. who put in formal protests about it. And her response was, well, they haven't even heard it. And it's not referencing this man called uh, Isaac. Yeah, they, they yeah they thought it was a reference to... Um, like a religious reference, when actually it was just that the guy that was singing it, his name in kind of Western society yeah, was yeah. the Isaac. Yeah, right. But yeah, I think this song's really good. I think musically it's amazing, and then lyrically it's good as well. It's boring. No, I it's fine. It's not. I don't think. I would like to point out that I don't think anything on this album is bad. It's my. It's not my favorite album of hers, and I have issues with it. It's still a perfect album and every track on it is incredible, but I just think mm. it's a bit dull. Again, I- I'm sorry. I'm referencing confessions tour with all these songs, but I mean, this song live was unreal. It was so good. And I, when I first heard this, when I took it home to listen to the CD, um, I'm like, I don't know about this one, but then it really grew on me. And when I saw it live again, sp- spellbinding, God, Lily. I love this song. I think it's a masterpiece. I would say that probably only about this song just because of how different it is. Mm-hmm. And I love the performance. I love the production. I love the influences it has. That's just my take. The a lot of critics did not like this song. A lot of critics didn't like it. Let's talk about track 11, Push. This is the Spanish lesson of the album. I this <gasps> so much. Really? This is my second favorite song on the album. Yeah, it's probably like my, <laughs> oh my third gosh. favorite. What is with all of you in the lack of taste? That is blasphemy. No, it's not. Everything else, segues, segues. I, I can never say that word. Um, segway. Yeah. Segway. Uh, this one stands alone. It is like I love. I love the beat. I love the message. You know. It's very happy. It's a very happy, joyful song. I love the music. A lot of people were comparing it to like a prayer in terms of the music. And I love that reference, the connection they have together. And I love the message. She said that she wrote the song about a lot of people in her life that she says really pushed her 
to be better, to reach for her dreams. One of the people she mentions was uh, Christopher Flynn, her dance teacher from Michigan who encouraged her to move to New York. So it has a personal connection. And I just, I love the message and I love the melody. It's one of those songs that just puts me in a great mood and I love it. Well, you know what? The way you feel about this song, uh, Rocco, is how I feel. Like how you were defending I Love New York. Ugh, no, I don't like the song. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so cheesy. Oh, Yeah, it's just repetitive. No. It doesn't go anywhere. I, I feel like the first, you listen to the first verse and chorus and it's sort of okay, but you want it to do something more with the next bit, but it doesn't. It just, so yeah, I just want to not talk about it anymore. I don't think it's cheesy. Madonna, I, I feel like it could be cheesy given the concept of what it's saying, but I think that Madonna expressed it in a way that took all the cheese out of it. I think it's less cheesy than Jump. I think Jump's <gasps> Jump is not cheesy at all. As we move into the final track of the album, push, leave a comment. Is it all cheese or is it cheeseless? I mean, that is the question of the day. <laughs> this is Madonna's FU moment saying yeah. I've been a, I've been a star now for 22 years and yeah it's like take me leave me turn me off I'm I'm going to still entertain I'm going to get older I'm still going to push buttons I'm going to who can and again another amazing amazing uh, performance on the tour love it this was that song for me in high school I listened to the song so many times and it just gave me all the life that I needed. Like the lyrics, you know, there were so many times in my life where Madonna's music was literally the only music I could listen to, to make me feel better, whether it was getting bullied at school or just feeling different in general. And this was that song for me during that time that I could always go to that just made me feel empowered, you know? And this what about, Rocco, what about I'm Going Bananas? You could have turned to that one. That's not a very empowering <laughs> song. When you want it's, to feel better about yourself, my, you're not colorful. Dude, I'm messy with you. I'm just joking around. <laughs> <laughs> well, touche. Now, I reckon this has sort of a connection with Let It Will Be lyri- lyrically, because Let It Will Be sort of like um, this won't last forever, this fame like that I've had for all these years. But then this one's sort of like, well... Th- in spite of that, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep being Madonna, which is what she's sort of doing today or at least trying to do. And so I think that's, yeah, I think this song sort of foreshadows what she goes on to do with the rest of her career. And this was the era, to be honest, where that uh, the volume to that criticism of Madonna started escalating around. Yes. Well, when are you going to give this? How long are you going to be doing pop yes. music for? This is, I remember her on Parkinson during this era. He's a mm. well-respected British uh, interviewer. He asked her the question, how long, how, how long are you going to be doing this? And, you know, she's, as long as I want, that sort of thing. And oh and it was the theme began from there and it hasn't stopped, has it, since? Like, how yeah. long are you going to do this for? That's right. Like yeah. it or not, I'm going to keep going. And uh, like you say, this is her answer. This, this track is the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So that's our track by track. I just want to read out some reviews. I mean, generally, this was critically received really well, this album, the Confessions album. Uh, Rolling Stone, they wrote review. I, I always love Rolling Stone reviews because their mastery of the English language is beyond. This is an album designed for maximum volume. It's all motion, action, speed. 
The tracks are constantly shifting with dizzying layers of sounds and samples dropping in and out, skittering and whooshing across the speakers. Ooh, Unlike the crystalline wow. precision of latter-day Madonna discs like Ray of Light and Music, the sonic signature here is a powerhouse density on tunes like Future Lovers and Push, It's Damn Near Psychedelic. I know NME wrote a review of it that I think, uh, which obviously in the UK is like a really like, yeah. I'd say at the time was quite a pretentious indie newspaper and they wrote a review of it saying that in a society that was entirely driven by guitar music to release a disco album was like probably the most punk thing you could do. And I was really glad that people were back on her again. But so my issue with it has always been that so and I have the same issue with Light Years is that I I loved Impossible Princess and then everyone went, no, Kylie's not doing pop music anymore. She has to go back and do pop music. And then she did Light Years and everyone was like, Kylie's back. And it was the same with Madonna. It was like, it's not her best work. It's just that it was more palatable for what people wanted it to be. And but I, but that doesn't mean it's bad, though. No, like, just but... Just because more palatable doesn't I just, mean it's, like... It, I, I have an issue with, like, pandering. And I feel like it was, like, it wasn't necessarily a bold artistic move. It was just, like, pandering to the sections of society that she felt that she'd stopped reaching with her music. I, 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 I disagree. I feel like, I disagree. I feel like what she did was she was smart in that she figured out a way to get her message across in a way that other people would embrace and would listen. I think she did the same thing with bedtime stories after the erotica era. She made another album that was a bit, that was expressing similar sentiments. She just expressed them in a different way. And I feel like that's what yeah, she erotica, did. Erotica is a much better album than best bedtime stories. Whoa. I agree. I'm just saying that, you know, with this, with, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. I feel like, she, like with how high, you know, it's the same kind of, when you really listen to the album, you're getting the same message. And so I don't feel like it's pandering. I feel like it's her. And at the time, at least in America, I can't speak for the rest of the world. Dance music wasn't really huge. I mean, people often credit Britney Spears blackout album with bringing dance pop back to pop music in the late 2000s, early 2010s, but I think it was this album that really set that trend again. Her star faded quite a bit after, because she made a very artsy album that a lot of people were like, whoa, where is she going? She had to get back on a commercial thing. That's why she did what she did. Yeah. And she and, did and it. The, really? the dance music thing's really always cool. been like bigger over here than in the States, I think. So to me, it wasn't, you know, she'd worked with a British producer and she'd worked with kind of European writers and it was very much like a, it was very much a European album, I suppose, to an extent. So to me, it wasn't necessarily groundbreaking, whereas I felt American life was. And this was just kind of anyone. 150%. Agree. Yes. Yes. Yeah, can I just say, yeah, like, I think this is like a good album from Madonna in terms of like, you need to listen to it in order. You know, you can't just shuffle mm. this album because it ruins it. Like you need to listen to it as it was intended. And yeah, it's like been described as a dance pop odyssey and, you know, went straight to number one on ev everywhere except Mars sort of thing. And it's like, mm. it was really, really successful and a, a smash hit. And yeah, I think it's really good work. But that's the genius of it to me, is if you listen to it as a, a, a solid piece of work rather than these songs individually. And I think that's yeah. my issue. When we went through the songs individually and I'm like, yeah, I don't like this song. Yeah, I don't like this song. When you listen to the whole thing all the way through and the yeah. way it's mixed and everything, 
it's incredible and it's a really interesting innovative piece of work but the problem is that when you take the tracks individually things like hung up and you know that I'm not that keen on just kind of are shown up as being a bit lackluster and a bit kind of try hard to me I've got to say Lily a lot of people say that Madonna needs to return with confessions number two Mm. honestly in my opinion no because I don't think she could do better and I think coming back to do something not as good would just hurt her. A lot of people say that Madame X is very similar to American Life. So we will get a complete 180 with Madonna's next album. She She's going to, I'm sure she's been thinking about it in, in COVID times. You know, she's doing a lot. I, I love that. It was just her birthday and I was watching her little snippets on Instagram, um, you know, celebrating her birthday and they were like passing around weed and she's like, I've got to watch my vocal cords, you know? I'm like, okay, cool. She's taking care of her voice. Yes. All right. All right, Madonna. I love it. And she does, <laughs> she does blonde albums and brunette albums. And when she's got something to say, she has dark hair. And when she hasn't, she has blonde hair. And this was a blonde hair album. <laughs> oh, what was that? Madame X was every hair color. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the, the artwork was dark. And the kind of, uh, like, well... The, that, no, the other the other image of her with the braid, she's blonde. Yeah, but, but like the main the main, the the main, main one, yeah. She looks like Frida Kahlo, yeah. Yeah, and the image for the tour and everything was all dark haired, and she'll sometimes she'll lead yeah. with a a lead single where she's got dark hair, like Ray of Light. Like she's she, gonna she, do uh, one eighty. She's gonna do one eighty for her next album. I know it. We can't go without talking about the tour, Lily. I think this is the best tour ever done period point blank (laughs) this tour and the girly show are i would say girly show is my number one favorite tour but the confessions Mm -hmm. tour is a high second rocco i'm very impressed with you wow that makes me happy (laughs) why because the girly show yes yeah that that tour probably is my favorite i love it i love the sydney show that they did for the uh, dvd yeah she seemed genuinely happy throughout that tour, you know. When she, she, was, was, she wasn't that happy because the world was turning against her. I, mean, was I, mean, I know. I mean, during the show. No, it was a phenomenal yeah. show. Um, it was a very, like, uplifting show, I thought. And, oh, and, and the fact, oh, I, I'm so glad we're talking about the tour. Um, uh, the costumes for um, Erotica and uh, Lucky, no, Lucky Star, I don't know. But uh, those were based off Adyeta and Frida's costumes from the ABBA tour, which I thought was yeah. amazing. Yeah. And that version of Erotica is so beautiful. Phenomenal. I, yeah, phenomenal. I heard the studio version, I think, first, before I even heard the live version, and it gave me goosebumps. Like, that, it is so beautiful, and it, it I, I'm, I'm speechless. I can't. That's just, that's such a highlight in her career. Yeah. And the best Ray of Light live version ever. Ever. Did she do the same thing, though, on Sticky and Sweet? Was that just no, no. a recycled... No, 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 no. Completely different. Yeah, it was. Completely. <laughs> Sticking and Sweet and, and Confessions are night and day in, in terms of tour. Well, the Ray of Light performance, performance is identical. <laughs> well, not, well. Uh, <laughs> I loved the Sorry remix, the interlude. Um, 
That's what the, yeah, Simon was talking about that with the Pet Shop Boys. Fascinated to know what our listeners think. I would love it if people left their comments, left their thoughts, subscribe to the channel and all of that sort of stuff. Megs, yeah. confess to us what you're about to go and do now. Uh, I don't know. Have a nice rest of my day and, you know, hang out with my little sister. That'll be good. <laughs> David, confess to us what are you about to go and do? Uh, I'm going to do a catwalk to push. <laughs> Whatever. Simon, confess. I'm going to go to bed. It's like quarter past two in the morning. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Oh, no. With a nice <laughs> cup of tea and a bicky. No. No, I've had like six <laughs> pints, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed and sleep. <laughs> Rocco, confess. What are you about to do? Uh, probably go get something to eat. Well, that is yeah. very confessional. And Lily. <laughs> Uh, probably just gonna do schoolwork now because school's back and everything's online. So annoying and so atrocious. Hmm. And we're gonna go and find the pet shop, vo- pet shop boys version of sorry. Oh, we're yes. gonna go and find that because I'm curious now. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm sure I would have heard it, but yeah, I want to go and listen. Hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, on the single. It's pr- it's pretty close to the tour version, so you'll recognize it as soon as you hear it. I'll recognize it for sure. Thank you all so much for confessing tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night.